Right here. Right here, right here, right here. Yeah. You want him? Yeah. to the Redneck Tech Podcast. This is episode 23, and I am on with one of my best buddies in the whole wide world, my absolute um, photo photography mentor, Chris Irwin. What's going on, Chris? Hey, man. How you doing, Caleb? Uh, I'll talk to you tonight, man. Yeah, I'm doing good, buddy. How's the weather in Alabama? Is it still cold over there? Uh, you know, it's actually warmed up. We got in the 50s, so we're. I think we're out of this winter thing for a day or two. Well, it's back down you know. to 30. It was 31 when we just pulled in here at the house, and I'm not too terribly far from you, but I'm a little bit more north, I guess. Yep, yep. Um, I'll, I will introduce you a little bit, but I want you to introduce yourself. I met sure. Chris on a, I was filming with the habit. This was what, three years ago. Has it been that long ago? Man, it has. It may have been four. Now. Yeah. So it was three or four years ago and we were filming a duck slash deer hunt at Bass Pro Farms, I guess you can call it, um, in Missouri. And it was, you know, me, Chuck, John, JP, you, uh, God, who else was there? There's a bunch of people there. I don't remember. There's a ton, uh, there's a ton of us there. But anyway, you were there taking pictures. Um, and, uh, you know, cause you worked for Bass Pro, I think you told me for 26 years. That's right. So any, if you have ever looked at a redhead catalog over the last 26 odd years, you have most likely seen Chris Irwin's work. And, uh, he's taken... Gosh, I wish you had. You bet you wish you had a dollar for every image you you stroked for Bass Pro, don't you? I would take a dime at this point, Kevin. You know, it's been one of those. <laughs> I mean, you just don't realize how much imagery you do over the years. You know, oh uh, gosh, in a month span, especially during the seasons where you're where you're out chasing the sunlight. Yeah, you know, you you just don't you get caught up in the moment, man. It's like, dude, I wish I had a dime for every photo I've taken. Oh gosh, well, introduce yourself. Tell me, you know, tell the Listeners, kind of where you're from, your background, how you got into photography, how you got hooked up with the, the little bait shop in Missouri. Sure. Uh, Chris Irwin, uh, what am I, 50 years old now, and uh, started most of my life out of Tennessee, Knoxville, Kodak area, Strawberry Plains, uh, you know, growing up in a redneck little country town. You, uh, you know, of course, I think you got to get all your uh your education and your in order to make it in your life, you got to go to a big city. And uh, I got involved in photography in high school and thought I got to go to college and, uh, you know, make something of myself, quote unquote, and get out of this, you know, small hick town and um, wound up going to the Art Institute of Atlanta back in the late 80s. Was and, it as, what and, is, is it, was it as liberal as it is now or was it a little, you little... know, you know, what was I, Caleb? I was probably 19 when I went off to college, and I didn't vote. You didn't think of that kind of stuff. You just knew that it was a dangerous city to live in. Well, that you didn't changed. get on the subway. You know, you didn't do any of that stuff, you know. Yeah. Um, being from the country, you you learned, you know, I need to survive, and you need to keep your head on a swivel and yeah. that kind of stuff. That's and, a steep learning curve coming from rural Tennessee to Atlanta. That's right. That's right. And it was, man. I mean, it was uh, a culture shock, if you want to call it that for me. And I mean, I wound up, you know, getting 
educated in two years. I got an associate degree in photography, got married and got out. And in three years of living there, I'd already come to the conclusion early before that, that the city life is not for me. Yeah. And, um, the guy that I was working for doing architectural photography, um, he got a phone call from his college roommate. We all went to the same college together. It's one of those you end up finding people that went to the college. That's who you kind of go to work for. This guy said, man, I'm looking for a, you know, basically a redneck hillbilly country guy that knows how to hunt and fish and enjoys that to work for me at Bass Pro Shops. He was the manager of the studio department. It's all one of those things typical of, you know, who do you know in the industry? Yeah, that's when you really, I, that's when it really sunk into me that I'm not going to get anywhere until I know a guy that can get me into another place to get me, you know, work or to get me hired someplace. Yeah. And my wife and I basically drove to Missouri and um, in the fall of the year, we the Ozarks and you're like, man, this is incredible. Those years they had a peak year, you know, and, um, we, it didn't even show my portfolio to the guy. He just said, look, you went to the same college I did. All I got to know is, do you want the job? You know, you came highly recommended from this other guy that I knew. And, and you obviously fit so, the description of being a redneck and knowing how to hunt. So Right. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't, you didn't know what, how much you did back then until <laughs> you, you, know, you walk into the, to the granddaddy. And anyone even known as, as the granddaddy back then, it was called the, uh, the showroom. Nice. You know, it was world it was called the showroom that was that was a big sign out front so that was 1990 and um didn't know what into back then but i mean i was told by the guy that really brought me in the manager he said you'll go places here if you um don't tell somebody you don't know how to do something if somebody asks can you photograph a boat the answer needs to be yes. Yeah. And then you just figure it out. Yeah. Fake it till you, you make know, it. it. That's right. Fake it till you make it. Yeah. Act like you've and, been there before. That's like a lot of people right. get, get into a lot of places and do a lot of things just because they act like they're supposed to be there. That's right. And he said, after you get that job with Bass Pro, whatever it is, they're telling you to do, if it's photograph Santa Claus or flying a helicopter, or photographing boats running down the lake or working with Kevin Van Dam, you know, just do your job and give them they said everybody's going to have a deadline but he said there's always cushion built into the deadline yeah he said at the end of the day when johnny morris looks at your work he's not going to look at the deadline he's going to quality and he's been back then and still so john morris still does uh, he's the founder of Bass Pro. Yeah, you, you broke up. You, you broke up just a little bit. When Johnny's looking at what he's when he's looking at the work, he's not looking at the deadline. He's looking at what now? He looks at the final product. He looks at the photograph. At the quality of them. At the quality of that photograph. Gotcha. You know, gotcha. and he said, "Don't you ever turn in something until you're happy with it." Well, and nowadays, you know, that was back when we were photographing everything on four by five view cameras, like what Ansel Adams did all of his landscape photography with yeah where you literally have to pull the hood over your head and you look through the back of the camera and everything's upside down and reversed oh gosh and you're using sounds like it sounds dinosauric uh, well no it sounds like a really good way to get motion sick (laughs) yeah well 
And, you know, it's really weird because uh, I'm dyslexic. So it worked for me. Really? Because everything is upside down and reversed. I didn't know until about five years ago, Caleb. Really? I bring I brought it up at work, and everybody's like, well, yeah, we know you're dyslexic. You didn't know? <laughs> you guys are supposed to help a guy out and let me know that kind of stuff, <laughs> you know? I've just been going through life thinking I do everything backwards all the time, but... So we haven't uh, we haven't answered one basic question. What got you interested in photography? Oh yeah, well, uh, basically, I didn't want to be in a picture when I was about six years old. <laughs> I could, do you understand how much sense that makes to me now knowing you? I can a hundred percent see that. Yeah, you yeah, didn't want to be so, in the picture, so you took the picture, and that's how you got. That is so funny. If well, you, guys, if you ever meet Chris and you get to know him as well as I know him, that will make so much more sense to you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Gosh, that's great. I've, yeah. So I realized my mom, you know, back then we could do S&H green stamps and you could get free stuff. Yeah. Kind of like what Amazon Prime still does today. Yeah. If you buy so much, you get these points. Yeah. Or reward points at Bass Pro or Cabela's, whatever. So she gave me her S&H green stamps and I actually bought a Kodak 110 camera, little 110, little bitty, little bitty camera. And she literally paid for me to burn up cam, burn up film. We lived on a farm back then, and you know there was always something to photograph: riding a horse, or you know being on the tractor with dad, whatever, combine and whatever. So um, now, that kind of got me. Yeah, what, that what, got me started. And when we and we were taking pictures, were you taking pictures to just take pictures, or were you taking pictures because you liked the creative aspect of it, or were you just you didn't know you were just snapping well, pictures? I was seven. I didn't. Oh, know, so you were you know? okay. Well, then, <laughs> then you were just taking pictures then. Yeah, yeah. You know, I had something that Uncle Marvin had. Uncle Marvin was the guy that was the creative. I mean, you, his slide collection has got a rival National Geographic's. I That's mean, cool. Uncle Marvin always was taking pictures. So we were always around Marvin, and he was always doing pictures. So That's really cool. So, he kind of got me started doing that. That's you know? that's cool. So talk, walk me through a little bit of an abbreviated version of your 26 years at Bass Pro. So you you know we oh my I've, I've told people that about Johnny. You know what little I know about him. You know him way better than I do. Um, is that guy is is his attention to detail and quality is unbelievable. Man, but I'm sure you can attest to that as well. Working for him and being pretty much just, his camera guy for a long time or well, photographer. Just those. Right, right, and you're you're right. His, uh, if you want to call it OCD, I don't think it's that. I think he he's he a vision, he's a cares. visionary. He's a visionary. He ca- right, that's right. And he cares about the details of the visionary before you do. Before he before he unveils something, the change has to be perfect, and it's only perfect in his mind. Well. If you work for a guy like that, and now with technology that we have, you can make it perfect. Yeah. So the more, and you know, if you find a even we were doing four by five image and having to wait for the film to get processed from the lab and bring it back four hours later, looking on a light table. You're you're and, you're, you're know, breaking up on me pretty director. You're breaking up on me oh, pretty sorry, bad, Chris. All right. How about that? Is that any better? I'm I'm sitting still. I'm going to try to try to not move. Yeah, it must be the Alabama internet connection. It, yeah, pretty much. I'm sure, <laughs> pretty much. So uh, even even when you were doing the the four by four by whatever, I don't even know what that is. But whenever you were doing it's that, a, now, it's four by five inches. Oh, gotcha. So the film itself is four inches by five inches. Okay. 
So as opposed to a 35 millimeter slide, the film is four inches by five inches. Okay, and, and, and even we even, even had eight by ten inch film. So you know we're talking. You were talking about Johnny. Even though you were, you know, you can make it perfect now with digital. But back then, even when you were doing that, and you had to send it off, you know, you didn't what you didn't know what you were about to get back sometimes or what. Well, we had used Polaroids to view it. Okay. So you you know so you got all your lighting and your shadows and everything worked out the way you wanted it and things were being placed on an ad or in a catalog. So you had to have it an exact size to fit that space. So, but then, you know, it's only as good as it looks on the final, final film. Yeah. So the art directors, sometimes it was four hours. You had to sit there with an image or a, a set built. Uh, and if you look at the old catalogs from the nineties, Caleb, we didn't do things on a white background. We did things on, we built these massive sets where water was running through this creek and you had fly rods laying over it. And, uh, that's next, you know, you that's had to, next level. Uh, oh, it was, it was incredible. You know, what we had to do to get a catalog out. Uh, and there was a staff of 11 of us working together in a really small confined area uh, in base camp now is actually granddaddy the granddaddy store yeah and basically when you walk into the granddaddy at bass pro shops in springfield missouri the big you know the, the wonders of wildlife outdoor world you and you see this huge um bronze statue of a deer in the wonders of wildlife directly under that is where the studio was at oh that's kind of cool yeah yeah so uh, so so fast. Focused. I kind of <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. you're fine. So fast forward, <laughs> fast forward to where we get, you know, the last I guess, ten or so years when the digital, you know, when the digitals came around, the five Ds. You know, I know you run a, uh, what a one one DX or what is it? One DX. One yeah, DX a, now. A one DX and a five D. Yeah. So uh, you know, start. Mark so how did that? So now when you get to the digital age, how did that change everything? Well, for one, you could actually look on the back of the camera like everybody does today. Yeah. You know, you instantly saw what you just did. Mm -hmm. And the fact that you can shoot in raw as opposed to a JPEG, you got this huge file in raw that is, uh, it's, I'll try to stay not technical, but I mean, it's a linear curve. It's like, you can manipulate the contrast in uh, in post. I mean, you can sharpen it. You can undersharpen it. You can. There, there's so much you can do now in uh, in a Lightroom editing program that back in the day when we shot film, you didn't do. You you turned in an image that was on a four by five sheet of film. Yeah. And the separate the separator got to dictate what it all looked like. Yeah. You know. And then it changed even from what kind of paper you put that on. Yeah. You know, I mean, it was, just, you couldn't, I was the last guy at Bass Pro to go from film to digital. Because I didn't think, because we, my entire life had been on slide. You're, you're breaking up, Will. Yeah. You're breaking up on me about again. 
All right, I'm gonna. I haven't moved. And I'm gonna try to figure out why that is. But anyway, I are may you, go outside. Are you, are you on? Are you on Wi-Fi? Or are you on like LTE or what? Uh, Wi-Fi. Oh, okay. All right. So your Wi-Fi might be cutting in and out. Probably got about like my Wi-Fi here at home. It's Windstream. It might be my Wi-Fi cutting in and out. Who knows? Because mine's terrible. Okay. But um. Anyway, so you were the uh, you were the last one to switch from. Right. You were the last one to switch over to digital. And why was that? Well, I just didn't think that. You know, I didn't think that digital was going to catch on because back then everything was just a six megapixel was as a large of a file as you could get. Well, how how wrong you were. Uh, right, right. <laughs> and and how glad I was. Wrong, oh, yeah, you know? no doubt. No uh, I mean, doubt. You, you, couldn't, you couldn't pay me to go back to shooting film. Yeah. Or, well, you know, just, just what it took to keep all that film organized and cataloged and... You know, and now it's just on terabyte hard drives yeah. and servers, you know. Oh, yeah. Well, that kind of brings me to the next to the next kind of topic where we're going to go a little out of order from the notes I sent you. But I think this is a good segue into you're shooting in raw now. You're shooting digital and you're shooting these huge files. And now you can bring them into programs like Photoshop and Lightroom. And right. I know you're the guy that showed me my limited knowledge in Lightroom. You're the one that showed me you know, how to do certain things, how to manipulate certain things, how to work on your mid-tones, how to work on all those things. And, you know, you're the one, honestly the one that first got me interested in doing it because I remember you had a, at you know, at the Bass Pro Farms, you had oh, brought right. you, you had brought your full-size 27-inch iMac and that's you right. took pictures and you were, we got back to eat, you know, breakfast or lunch or whatever it was and you were in there editing pictures. And you spent as much time on one picture as I have on a complete you know, video edit before. And I was just fascinated to see right. you know, how much, you know, how in depth you were going. So kind of touch on not only the digital age, but you know, how important and how powerful a program like Lightroom is. Well, the biggest thing that hooked me on Lightroom was keeping you organized. I mean, you have to tell it everything, what it is, where you're going to keep it, what folder it's in, and if you ever work off of your desktop, Lightroom just kind of tells you, well, fine, if you don't want to work with me, I'm not going to work with you either. So you, as soon as you work off of Lightroom and work on a desktop, Lightroom doesn't know what you've just done. It forces, it forces you to it be organized. It forces you to be organized. And as you're well aware, Caleb, if you go from, let's say, the Bassmaster Classic in, in March – and then you go straight into a golf tournament, and then you go to a turkey into hunt. turkey season, yeah. and then you get home and you're like, "Man, I got to edit the Bassmaster Classic," mm -hmm. and you don't know where you put that. Yeah. Well, you're going to obviously call it the Bassmaster Classic. Yeah. And all you got to do is when you open your Lightroom and your uh, your information is only that's all you're the only person using that computer. When you open it up and plug in that hard drive. All that information is going to be there. Yeah. And then once you get and decide what you want to edit, I mean, it has ways to speed. The you can set all of these pre. Um, oh, I do it so much just automatically. I don't know what it's called, but it's got a, it's a preset. Yeah. Where you can tell it because I know how I shoot. I know what my edits are going to look like. Mm-hmm. You can just tell it go to A, B, C, D, and just does yeah. your edit. So you don't have to move and manipulate your contrast, your highlights, your shadows, your midtones, your 
contrast, yeah. you know, your uh, saturation, desaturation, luminance, it's, it's all that stuff yeah, is it's in, done. It's incredibly powerful. Um, and I'm, like I said, I'm still learning and dabbling in it, but in, in your opinion, and I, and I think I know the answer to this, how important is it to have a really good quality image before you start in Lightroom though? I mean, can well, you, can you take a, you know, you a, can. I mean, when oh, I say yeah. high quality image, I'm saying, you know, if you're going to edit a small, like a small JPEG or something, there's only so much you can push it to do in Lightroom before it starts to fall That's apart. Right. You obviously need to start with a raw image, but, and you need to have That's it framed right. well. But as far as is it, if it's not lit, you know, just right, or if your shadows aren't just right, there's ways to fix it. But having a, essentially what I'm asking is oh. by, by starting with a quality image to begin with, that's going to make it that much more powerful. Well, it makes it, it makes it quicker to edit for one thing. Because yeah. like I said, if you're, if you have got all your, uh, everything figured out in the camera, like you said before, you get to post, you don't have to spend all this time tweaking it with the brushes and all the things that is available to you. Uh, but it's good to actually experiment with that. I mean, go out and overexpose something two stops. And now they have HDR, which you overexpose a stop, underexpose a stop, and then expose properly. And those things can all merge together. Mm-hmm. Uh I don't like doing that because then you've got to, I've got to edit three times more what I'm already editing. Yeah. So, uh, How long, I've just learned. So for, for a, I, know, I don't want to get you off track, but for a typical, like a typical shoot, like if you went to and took pictures for the Bassmaster Classic for how long is that tournament? It's a four day tournament. So, you know, if you're there for the three day, let's just say, let's say three days. So basically. if you're there for three days on average, how many images are you taking? And then how long are you taking to edit those images? Uh, well, it depends on if you go on the water or if you don't, you know, if you're at the, the launch, let's just say for instance, it's 3000 images. It's uh-huh. usually more than that because you're going to, depends on who you're having to photograph. And right now yeah. you're having to photograph everybody, Yeah. you know, because I don't work for uh, Bass Pro Shops anymore. I'm on my own. So you would photograph everybody that comes through there. And you're trying to get them pulling fish out of the live wells, and they're getting in and out of the boat, and they're talking to Dave Mercer. So you're running around you know? like crazy, just snapping, snapping. Oh, yeah, yeah. So usually, now this is different, because Bass, Bass wants their images up on social media instantly, as soon as you can get it up. Mm-hmm. So your presets need to be set. you got to have all your stuff rolling. Yeah, you got to be buttoned up. I mean, there is no, you know, and they don't. They don't yell at you. I mean, you're an adult. You know, it's like, hey, Erwin, let's get this done. And um, usually it should take, for every day you do photography, it should take a day to edit for print. You know, if you know this image is going to be at Bass Pro or in a billboard or, you know, in a magazine or on a front cover place, you know, you can tweak it however much you want to until somebody finally says, you know, just give it to me. But you should photograph, if you're out you know, doing an eight-hour shoot, it should take you anywhere from six to eight hours to edit, you know, to cull that through, edit it down, and then work those images. And it's usually 10%. Yeah, that's what I, was my next this, question. What's your cull rate? Like how many? If your you're cull taking rate a, is 10%. 10%. I mean, it's ridiculous how much you can. So you, let's you, say you shoot 10, if you shoot 10,000 images, you're going to turn in 10% of that. Okay, so that's what I, yeah. That's, I you remember know. you telling me that. So you're taking, you know, 
you're 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 call rate you know you're keeping about 10 percent of your images but you right. said that you you know guys that are one percent yes yes you know I, and there's it depends on what they're shooting too you know mm-hmm. i mean if i go out and i'm specifically going to photograph edwin evers or rick klein ot defoe timmy horton you know on a, on the water and it's just me and them and we kind of have a shot list of what we've got to get done you can look at the back of the camera and go, dude, I got that. Let's, let's, let's keep moving. Yeah. Go through the shot list, yeah, you know, for sure. but if you're photographing a tournament and you know, you're holding it like you've had to do before where you're just, you know, I, I'm going to, I'm going to buy an eye patch this year. Spraying and uh, praying. No, you're not, you're not so much doing that. You're just, you're constantly looking through the back of that camera with one eye closed. Well, that's just, that's what I, that's what I call my photography skills is spraying and praying. I'm going to take about 5,000 images and I might get five good ones. Right, right. Well, and see the the five D Mark three and and the one well the one DX is twelve frames a second. Yeah, that's and you ridiculous. Think, man, that's really fast. But once you got to start editing that stuff, man, I mean, it gets down to where you know what I'm going to put it on. Unless there's you're trying to capture a fish jump yeah. out of the water. Yeah, for sure. You know, something, there's really no special. Reason. Yeah, special shot or something. Right, right. Or a dog running at you, or a mm-hmm. dog you know running away through the water, splashing things like that. So with, um, with that being said, kind of kind of run through your gear list, what you're running, what lenses you're running, and kind of what your if you were going to run and go grab a camera, what's your kind of go to something yep, to run yep. out and take some pictures. Well, uh, the five D Mark III has become the backup. Mm-hmm. Um, there's not a thing wrong with that camera, except it just doesn't have. I mean, you can photograph. Uh, the great part about the higher-end cameras is you can raise the ISO, which is your film speed for the old-school guys. You can raise your ISO up to 5,000 without a flash. And in the camera, you can set it up to – You can in the menu, you can say, you know, reduce noise in the camera. And then when you get to Lightroom, you can reduce noise again. Mm-hmm. So you don't have that, you know – coloration in the sky that's not there or the uh it looks like film grain you can reduce that yeah. in lightroom and in the back of the camera so yeah, and that's really important once you start getting to those low light shots and those right, you know, early right. morning late evening exactly well you don't know what somebody's going to do you may have as you're well aware you'll have a shot list or a storyboard you know photograph with a guy you know on the left with a rifle aiming to the right and leave room on the right for copy well uh, let's say the social media people get a hold of that, and they just want to zoom in on just the, mm-hmm. the just the scope or the optics yeah. or the barrel. So they're going to blow that rascal up, and the more you blow it up, the more you're going to start seeing the the imperfections in yeah. the image. Oh yeah. You know, so, and all you got to do is see one of your images up, you know, blown up like that, and you're like, man, I'm going to spend more time turning in better stuff yeah or lighting it or making sure that you know exactly yeah exactly Exactly. and you've been there caleb you're like you know i really you know in your mind i really should get another side light or Mm -hmm. another backlight but man the sun's setting it's gonna take two minutes and i've only got four minutes worth of light well that's my like you know and that was i don't want to jump ahead but like when we were talking about doing time lapses and trying to do night lapses and lighting is so important when you're trying to do a long shutter speed like that any kind of light pollution or any kind of Light right. that you don't even think about, you know, the, the 
the red light. I mean, something I've had the red light on the camera when you you know hit the shutter button on the camera and the little red light stays on when the oh, shutter's yeah. open. I've had that little oh, red yeah. light ruin laps before because <laughs> it's bouncing off something behind the camera and the shutter's yeah. open for so long that red light is now shining on everything in front of the camera. Yeah. And, and I can't figure out where this red light's coming from, and it's that tiny itty bitty red light on the back of my camera. And the but, thing is, Caleb, I remember that image. I remember when you posted that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's, it's funny. It's yeah, it's it's lighting lighting is something that I know just enough to be dangerous with and that's something that I I want to take some like continuing education and I which I've been threatening to come down and hang out with you for a weekend and let you give me a, a Lightroom tutorial and then go through some pictures yep. but you know that's kind of the, one of the next things I wanted to talk about with uh um well we didn't finish what so your 5D Mark III is your backup. What's your main right. camera? Your 1DX? 1DX right now has become my main camera. Okay. Um, and just and because why? You can run that rascal. I mean, I don't. I start my ISO at 1250. So yeah. As opposed to 125, like we used to with film. That way, I can control how much depth of field I've got mm-hmm. or shutter speed, and I'm that's in my mind all the time. Do I want to stop water splash? Yeah. Or do I want the fish and, and Timmy Horton in focus yeah, who's holding and, the fish and, and you, the motor in the background. And you, know you run and you run in aperture priority most of the time? That's right. Yeah. I do. Okay. And I kind do. of explain why you like to run aperture priority versus manual or versus, you know, maybe another setting. Well, you're only having to work with one button on the camera mm-hmm. to control what you want. So explain the aperture priority to somebody that might not understand Well, uh, aperture priority... Remember, I'm dyslexic, so I probably got this backwards. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you'd think I'd know how to do this after this many years. Well, it's second nature at this point. It, it is. It is. You know, I have to be looking at something before. I can't just tell somebody over the phone how to fix something. But, yeah. Um, let's say I know to stop water splash from a fish jump or a dog splashing, the shutter speed has to be 1250th of a second. Mm-hmm. One thousandth of a second doesn't do it. Yeah. It's got to be 1250. I've just, so I know that I'm going to be handheld and I want to stop that and I don't have time to get a tripod or a monopod to hold the camera steady with a long lens. I just set that on that and I adjust my ISO or my film speed to get it to that. And at that point, I could give a flying rip what my depth of field is. Mm-hmm. To me, the ultimate depth of field is. Uh, f7.1 why is that i would not think you'd say that it's just it's that it just seems to be that magic number that gets clean crisp edges and you can be at five six and be just fine or you can be at 2.8 and be just fine see that's my thing like my and that and that's also my limited photography knowledge i try and run everything as shallow as i possibly can yeah yeah. Well, like I said, for some of the stuff we're doing, you're trying to do, uh, you know, like if I'm in a boat, here, let me do the list quick. 5D Mark III mm-hmm. is a backup camera. Mm-hmm. The 1DX is the main camera. Yeah. The 35 millimeter lens, 2.8. Yeah, hold on. Start over, with the lens. Start over with the lens again. You broke up on me one more time. Uh, to 16 to 35 mm-hmm. 2.8 millimeter 
2.8. Oh, I'll have that. I love uh, that. Love that lens. Have that to one. Three five. Beautiful lens. Mm-hmm. And believe it or not, I picked that up from a company called KEH. Mm-hmm. Uh, you told me Smyrna, about, Georgia. You told me about them. I actually went to college. Uh, you know, once again, I know a guy. I went to college with their only buyer, mm-hmm. and they are the largest used camera broker in the world. So, and then they have a 180-day warranty on anything that you buy from them. Dang, that's awesome. Why would you not? And it, it, and it's it, you just I won't bore everybody with that. Just go to KEH uh, out of Smyrna, Georgia. They don't have a store. It's all online. Um, but anyway, 16 to 35, mm-hmm. and then the second lens is uh, the 24 to 70. Yep, I've got a 24 so to 105. Overla- yeah, I love I've that. I've overlapped, mm-hmm. and I, it, 24 to 105 is an incredible lens. Personally, I had one, and when I worked at the pro, that was not tack sharp, and I just got that in my head that that's a bad lens, and mm-hmm. it's really not. And yeah. it's actually the cheaper of the two. It is if a you're, lot if you're, cheaper. If you're on a budget, a lot cheaper. Uh, and a lot lighter weight, mm-hmm. and it gives you a longer versatility, yep. you know, to 24 that's, to 105. And that's why I liked it, even if it wasn't, yes. even for what I'm doing, even if it's not quite as sharp, which I agree with you, you know, between the 24 to 70 to 24 to 105, the 105 isn't as sharp, but right. I, for what I'm using it for and the versatility, I will give up that sharpness for the versatility. That's right. That's right. Well, and see, your pictures are moving when you're shooting video, mm-hmm. so people are like, oh, that's creative. Did you see what he did? He went in and out of focus. Mm-hmm. Yeah, whatever. You know? <laughs> you know, for me, people are sitting around detailing, looking at that you oh, know, yeah. on a calendar. Picking it apart. Front cover. Yeah. They're picking it apart. At least I pick it apart. Yeah. Anyway, the third lens is another overlap lens, all zoom lenses, uh, the 100 to 400. The 100 to 400. Hadn't messed with that one. Right. Um the seventy to uh, to two hundred. The seventy most to, people seventy to two hundred. You broke up again, but the seventy to two hundred. Right. Yeah, right. Yeah, I uh, love. I, I had that. I love that in my arsenal too. at one time, and you just get that where how much gear can you carry? Yep. And that is a, that is a better lens for light availability. But mm-hmm. like I said, I can fix that with ISO. Yeah. And you know, so that's in my mind. I'm thinking, how much gear do I got to carry? What fixes every problem I've got, and that tends to get me covered in yep. everything that I do. And if I'm going to Wyoming on a photo shoot, you know, an elk hunt like you're going on, or uh, if we're just going out to do nothing but photograph elk and uh, moose, eagles, whatever is on the shot list from the client at the time, I will rent. I lose you. Mm-mm. Oh, you're there. I'm listening. Oh, there you go. There you go. Boy, it got really nice and clean there on the phone. That was funny. <laughs> you probably uh, finally got a good internet connection. Finally. <laughs> yeah. Everybody went to bed finally. Honestly. Yeah, I guess. Um, I'll, I'll rent a lens from Lens Rental. Mm-hmm. What lens is that? It's usually the... What is that one? It's a two... Oh, a 100 to... No, it's a 200 to 400 with a 1.4 built-in converter, teleconverter. Okay, so it's got a, like a uh, like a 1.4 extender? It's an extender, right. Gotcha. Right. But, nice. it's, but it's built in, and it's just a flip of a switch. You don't have to keep up with another extender. It's just a, a switch that you flip. Yeah, that's nice. I bet and, that's an expensive lens if you wanted to buy it, though. Right. Yeah, it's like 1700 mm, if you yeah. were to buy that Rascal yeah. new. And it's, it's one of those things you see on – the NFL or Major League Baseball, 
Yeah. You know, it's a big old white lens, you know, with a huge element on the front. Yeah. But, but see, when light when, gathering when and very right. crisp and all that right. good stuff. But see, it's got image stabilization built into it. And so do the other three lenses that I was describing to you. Yeah. Which uh, is makes a big difference when you're handholding cameras. Massive difference. Yeah. Massive difference. Well, um, um, what's the. Actually, uh, actually, the 16 to 35 does not. Oh. Uh, I don't. I, don't, no, I, 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 don't I have that lens too, and I thought it did. Maybe it doesn't. Um, what was mine? I, I had a. I was thinking about, I was going to ask you a question and now I've done lost my train of thought. Okay. This was it. So how has working for Bass Pro for 26 years, taking pictures and doing everything from boats to bass to deer, turkeys, you know, everything in between, you know, you've been doing your own thing for a little over a year now, right? Right. So how, how are you liking doing your own thing? You know, how is that different? How you like, you know, kind of, I guess well, being your own boss kind of thing. Yeah. Well, and you're kind of in the same boat, so you kind of kind of know where that answer is going to be. It's it's double-edged sword, just like anything else. If you want something at one end, you got to give something up at the other. Yeah. You know. Um, if you want more time with your family, you've got to do less work or mm-hmm. be on the road less. Yeah. You know, choose choose what you want to do. Mm-hmm. So. Um. What I've learned by doing on my own now is it is – it's a double-edged sword. You know, you're like, man, I wish I was working more, but, man, I'm enjoying being home with my family. Um, but at the same time, you're in that mode of, you know, you got to be creative. We're, for us, it's not about the money. You know, if you really ask us, it's about – I mean, I have very few images hanging at my house. Aside from Ducks Unlimited artwork and things like that, because I get bored with with the photography. You know, sure, really? it's a great image. I love that, but I just I, there's got to be something better. There's got to be a better image out there. Yeah. So you're always chasing a better uh, image. And you're you you know the sunsets are never the same. Mm-hmm. So that's that's kind of how I look well, at. Well, now I've got you career. addicted. Now I've got you addicted to time lapses, so you've got that to look oh, forward yeah. to. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Thank you very little. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, but you know, the, you just get into that mode of, uh, you know, when you're working for a bar, large corporation, you know, the large bait shop, there's a deadline every day mm-hmm. and you get into that gotta be at work and I gotta do the overtime. I've got to do, you know, and you, you, when you're around the creative mindset that was in that building, you fed off of each other, just mm-hmm. like you guys did, you know, when you worked at the Habit, mm-hmm. you know, and you you got more creative juices going because the guy sitting next to you just did a credible shot mm-hmm. with a wide angle lens, and in your mind, man, I would have used a long lens, yeah. to, you know, to compress the background, but yeah. you got in the dog's face, and yeah. you got mud all over the camera, you know. Yeah, or I get to, so you, you know, or I get to collaborate <laughs> with people like you and learn different things or have a different perspective or something like that too, you know. I, right. Yeah, kind right. of the same kind of thing. Right, right. So, I don't know. That's that, that's difficult because you're you're in that mindset of I'm used to going to work every day, mm-hmm. and now I'm at work. If I'm, you know, talking to you about yeah. where before, man, I gotta get off the phone. I can't be talking to you this much. I gotta yeah. a deadline to do. Yeah. It. I gotta do 23 shots today before I can go home. Yeah, you know, the catalog. So now that you're now that you're on your own and you're doing your own thing, how how are you finding yourself 
you know, keeping and staying creative? You know, where are you finding your creativity now? Like what's the uh, driving force behind it? If you don't, if you don't necessarily have those outside influences and other people that are you're feeding sure, off well, of, where are you finding it now? Well, you end up going to social media, you know, mm-hmm. Instagram, uh, Instagram is a drug, man. Oh, I mean, yeah. I can get on there and I'm that guy. Okay. Let's say I'm friends with, uh, Chuck Belmore mm-hmm. and Chuck. Uh, well, I don't know Chuck's why you'd be friends habit. with somebody like that. I don't that, know why but... I'd be friends with Chuck either. Yeah. So I'll actually go through Chuck's friends list and go, man, look at this guy. And it's, it's a video guy, a producer or a still guy that I haven't met or seen his work yet. And he's actually got some cool stuff. Yeah. But most of those guys are those guys. Most, most people in the industry weren't flooded with the task that we were working at Bass Pro Shops where you had to be, they demanded that you were great at everything. Yeah. Not just boat photography, but photographing, you know, Timmy Horton and Ott Defoe and Kevin Van Dam and Rick Clun. You know, the names of the fishing industry from Bill Dance. I mean, I've been to Bill Dance's house. You mm-hmm. know, and Kevin Van Dam's been to my house. It's really bizarre. Yeah. The kind of people that you're around. And then the very next day, you're out waiting on a turkey to show up. Yeah. You know, and you're actually sitting in a blind calling. Or filming the construction site or taking a picture of the construction site at the new golf course or something. Exactly. Exactly. And then then the next minute you get a phone call, hey, I need you to get in a helicopter and uh, take the door off and fly down over this building. and Don't twist, you know, my, don't twist my arm. Right. You know, and then th- that was one of those days. I just described one day for me at Bass mm. Pro. Yeah. And the morning of that day. I was photographing the, the trophy that was going to be that Bass Pro had made for a NASCAR race that Tony Stewart won, you know, and it was this custom built trophy of this massive bear. And, you know, you got to photograph that email that to Bass Pro's headquarters to let Johnny Morris view it and go, Hey, turn it to the left, turn it to the right, you know? So you're actually in communication with the founder mm-hmm. and then, you know, during lunch, the guy walks up, I need you to get in the helicopter. Yeah, it's going to land out here on the parking lot. Roger. <laughs> Roger. that with my boss, right? No, yeah, I don't have time to do that. You need to go. <laughs> you know, and, and now, you know, you, your days are similar to that, but they're not back to back to back to back. And honestly, Caleb, that took me a while mm-hmm. to get over, yeah. you know, and I'm sure it did with you, with you too when you left the habit. Yeah. Uh, or sub seven. Yeah, it was an adjustment, but, but it's, it's been it's been you know for me it's been for the better to this point. You know, it's one of those things to where I miss parts of it. I miss you know you know getting to constantly be creative and get to not necessarily reinvent the wheel, but you know produce television in a way that I was happy with and get to work with. In my opinion, with Chuck, John, and JP, with three of the best most genuine hosts out there sure. that could really go above and beyond and were head and shoulders better than some of the people out there i mean you know the habit was never well, intended to be a comedy show and it ended up turning into you know halfway comedy and producing comedy i found out it's incredibly hard unless yeah. you have some really good hosts that are funny all the time right right well and then you've got a you've got a competition going on bit there mm-hmm. you know where usually you're just filming a husband and a wife or, you know, one guy, 
and he has nothing to feed off of except yeah. his own accomplishments from yesterday. Yeah, and know? that's why I always tell people the best shows always have at least one co-host. There's never that's right. a standalone show. There's very few hosts, you know, I can think of one or two right now that can carry their own show all the time. I think that's right. why the perfect number for a show is two or three. I agree. I agree. And it's the same way when you're doing a still photo shoot. Mm-hmm. You know, the the last big shoot I did with uh, with the bait shop was in Wyoming, uh, photographing the fall catalog clothing shoot. And two weeks prior to us leaving, well, by then, you've got everything organized. Mm-hmm. Two weeks prior to leaving, the art director came up to me and goes, Brother, I can't go. Well, what do you mean you can't go? I mean, you're the guy that, you know, decides who's wearing what clothes and when we're going and what the scenario is and I have to light it and then we got to get together on this. And, you know, what if we don't go at all? And he says, well, if we don't go, we're just not going to have a Western look to our catalog because we're just not going to go again because it snows mm-hmm. while we're there. Yeah. You know, so you're going to go from no snow to snow, you know, for the, for that catalog shoot. So I became the art director, the location Scout, the lighting Scout. guy, the photographer, the right the, dude, the hand holder, all that good stuff. And I, but you, you know, you in your mind, you're like, you know what though? I've got a great crew. Mm-hmm. I've got an incredible assistant. And you're confident in your abilities because you've done. Location, you've probably had I, that happen before. Well, and I've been to that location already. Yeah, you know, oh, that's, you're not and that going, helps. Yeah. Oh my word, where are we going to go? You know. Mm-hmm. So, and we just had a meeting with the crew. The crew was. You know, with seven people, it's like, look, six people, here's the deal. Joe's not going. I need to know from you right now. Can you pull that off? Mm-hmm. Yes, we can. Man, we got everybody. Yeah, we can do that, you know. So everybody knows to pull together, and there is no, uh, that's not my job. Mm-hmm. I didn't hear that one time. It's like, look, you know, we don't have to be here. Yeah. You, know? you don't have to get this phone call. Yeah, for so, sure. Uh, well, so if you can, when you surround yourself with that kind of success, and like I said, it, it where we worked then, it, it was demanded. Mm-hmm. It wasn't told you're going to do better than everybody else. You're going to, you know, increase. They just said we need a new normal. Is how they said it. That was the old normal. We need a new normal. Yeah. And you just you just kept getting better at what you did, and sometimes that meant sunrises and sunsets. Yeah. Well, that's. You know, that's the same thing in video. You know, I've done a couple of shoots here this year um, with some other, you know, uh, on some other projects that, you know, are are different than the way that I did things. I wasn't running the shoot. And it's not that what the way I did things was right, but, you know, I would go on a shoot and I didn't feel like I was doing a whole lot. I'm like, I feel like I should be filming oh, something yeah. right now or, you know, I, I mean, there's content to be created and. You know, it's 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 one of those things to where you kind of gotta, yeah. you know, go with the flow and, and I guess do as the Romans do, I guess. But it was one of those things that was just different for me. You know, I didn't. Well, and some, sometimes it's okay just to sit back and watch. Mm-hmm. You know, well, sometimes it's better to sit back and watch because I've been in right. some situations where I was, which I I'll also honestly believe you should never be the smartest person in the room because you're in the wrong room if you are. And that I've been right. on, I've been you. in a, on a lot of shoots where there was people a lot more talented than I was there, and you know those were some of the shoots I wish I could have just been the grip and just, hey, let me stand over your shoulder and watch, you know, let me see how, you know, what's your thought process on this? What's your this, that, and the other, you know? Well, and just to be a segue on that, Caleb, I love working with video guys. 
because you guys have a whole separate world you live in yeah. on creativity. You know, I've tried to explain that to people about how that the photography, the still world and the video world, yeah, people associate us together, but it's a completely different mindset. Oh, you yeah. know, in my in my little small dabble in photography, it's a different way, and I enjoy it because it's new to me and I'm still learning. Um, and it's not like saying I have video mastered, but it's a completely different way of viewing things. Yeah, it's you, a completely different. You creativity. hold your own pretty good. <laughs> no, don't. No, but it's it's I I but like you're saying, yeah, it's a completely different way of looking at it. Yeah, but well, you're looking at six frames a second. You know, at DPIs, and we're looking at uh, shutter speeds mm-hmm. and depth of field. It's the same. It's just it, it is and it isn't. Well, but it's you, the, you have, it's you, the same you have but different. To, yeah, it is. It is. Well, but the difference is you have to think of sixty frames. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking of one. Yeah. I need one good image. Yeah, and we're gonna take twenty five, and I'm gonna pull one out of well, that. And you, yours have to be consistently well. Well, that to me, and that's so cool too, though is. I got to think about in terms of video. I've got to think about telling a compelling, concise story, whether that's a web show or a TV show, whether that's in the confines of a six-minute episode or whether that's in the confines of a thirty-minute episode. Right. And right. you know, in a, on a picture, on a photograph, essentially, if you do it right, you can tell an entire story in one picture. Well, yeah, yeah, I see what you're saying. You know, to a certain extent, you know yes. what I'm saying. You yeah. can you can con- you can convey a lot of emotion. You can convey a lot of good, bad, well, indifferent, dark, bright, sunny, happy. You right. can conver- convey a yes. lot of those things just by the way you frame a shot, by the way you expose a shot, by the way you, um, you know, your foreground, your background, all those different things and all those elements. You can tell a lot in and it's right. a single image. Yeah. Well, one of the things I wound up learning. Uh, one of the things I was tasked with my last year at the bait shop was, um, like you said earlier, I had to go photograph the Wonders of Wildlife Museum one day a week. I haven't got to see that yet. I want to go see it. Ah, uh, you do. You're missing out. Uh, a picture does not do that place justice. I but have, I have heard. Uh, so that was one day a week. Two days a week, I was in a Toyota truck with a camera playing golf, building, you know, taking pictures of the progress of two golf courses. And then the sinkhole happened, so I had to go film that at the end of the day, mm-hmm. two days a week in Branson. So, you know, you're up at 3.30 and 4 o'clock in the morning to be at the golf course at sunrise just to catch guys working with, you know, monster Tonka trucks, you know. Yeah. But uh, John Morris was watching. He would, you know, he, he got to see all these images as I turn them in. He wanted to see them every week or every two weeks at least. So you're shooting and editing just like you would anything else. Um, and But your days are long. But anyway, he wants to know, in the middle of that, can you shoot me some video? And I go back to, you know, 24 years ago, yes, I can shoot video. So, of course, I call Tony Khalil. Tony's in, he was with us. Tony, yeah, Tony that, was that, with Tony us. Was, yeah. yeah, Tony was with us, that's right. I'm like, Tony, brother, you got to help the guy out. He worked in the video department. What do I need to do? And he kind of walked me through a little bit, you know, like you've done before. On just here's some basics. And you'll figure it out. And he was right. Once you get into that, but I was basically having to walk up without a tripod, and I could do a photo shoot really quick of a, you know, we'll say hole number nine. And here comes a bulldozer, 
and a dump truck, and these are these massive pieces of equipment. And I'm thinking, you know what? I need to change lenses, and I'm going to shoot some video. It's completely different. It's exactly opposite of what you're thinking. Yeah. 120th of a second. Well, you can't do that. It's a 60th of a second. Mm-hmm. You know, so now your depth of field is F22. You know, well, I didn't want that. Well, you know what? You're just stuck with that. So <laughs> you're stuck with that. Yeah. <laughs> Unless you want to stack on neutral density on the front of the camera. Oh yeah. Well, you know, then you've got junk glass on this really nice glass. And that's I try another, not to do that. And that's you know? and that's something that I've had to explain to people when you know you're pricing a job or you're trying to tell somebody okay, look, you've got to look at this in terms of how long it's going to take. And, you know, somebody that doesn't understand production or they don't understand good photography or good production, they don't understand the time it takes to set up and do some of these shots. You know, when we're on a a video shoot, I mean, we're probably only rolling. You know, for a 30-second commercial, we probably only video, you know, there's probably only, I don't know, probably less than five minutes of actual video shot. But right. that probably took takes us all day. Oh, at least a day. <laughs> I mean, we've had a 30 second commercial take three days before. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah. because just moving lights and moving people and places and just logistics. And well, it's a huge what, it, it, production, to, for lack of a better word. Well, and what folks don't understand either is the, and we're starting to do more of that too. You start to see more of that on Instagram and mm-hmm. photo, uh, social media where people are doing behind-the-scene pictures. Yeah. And I, we were guilty of trying to keep that a secret. Don't yeah. ever show how yeah. we do this. We don't want Cabela's to know. Well, yeah. you know, well now, that, now that's you, out the window. Yeah, yeah that one's kind of <laughs> null and void now. Point. But, uh, you know, the amount of gear that it takes and support people. Mm-hmm. You know, you're only as good as the people around you. Yep. And every image that you see that, that you want to put my name on, Either my wife is there or my daughter, my kid, my son's been there helping or a crew of like to do a photo shoot for Dale Earnhardt Jr. You got to drive, you know, to his place. He's not coming to you. Mm -hmm. You've got to hire people in that town because you want to try to keep the budget down. Yeah. I'm bringing all of my gear. The assistant that you hire in that town is bringing his gear. And then you got to set up and be prepared with all the props a day before, because when the talent gets on the set, like you're aware, mm-hmm. their time is money. Yep. And they don't want you to go, man. I forgot a nine volt battery. Can you hang on just a second? Mm-hmm. So, I wind up over equipped. Yeah. If you want to say that. Well, you have to be because you it's know, just like I mean, you just said. You do that. You do that for the, you screw up for the wrong client. You screw up, if you screw up yeah. for Johnny Morris one time, right. you know, he, right. you know, you know, no matter who it is, it might not be Johnny, it could have been Dale Earnhardt, it could have been whoever, you know, all it takes is screwing up one too many times and guess who don't get a right. call back next time. Right, right. And, and all they say is he was just unprepared. Mm-hmm. And that's, and that's, and you're like, that's oh like, my word. Oh yeah, that's awful. That's, I want anybody oh. to, you know, I. I don't want anybody to ever say I was not prepared. I don't want everybody to no. say I'm not a good communicator. Those are two things right. that I will always That's do exactly my very right. best to be. And I'm going to be on time. Yeah. I'm, oh, I'm going to be yeah, two sure. hours early as opposed to two minutes late. For sure. This thing going to happen. 100%. I, treat my, I treat every job like I'm going to the airport. Yeah. Oh, gosh. I'm going to well, be two hours early. That's not you will not be waiting on me. Yeah, exactly. Know? Yeah, I don't ever want anybody to be waiting on me. That's kind of no. That's my whole thing with communication is I don't want somebody to have to call me or text me. And then be waiting on me because right. I'm not important enough to, for somebody to wait on me. I'm well, not. And, and I'm the same way. 
and I don't want to be that guy that wants to run everything like that last trip we did in, you know, on a Wyoming shoot. Mm-hmm. If you can delegate that stuff out and you focus on, yeah, focus on what you're I'm good the at. lighting guy, yeah. I'm the focus guy, and I'm the perspective guy. Yeah, yeah. You're the art director. Well, it's one of you're those the things... one that tells people, you know, move and don't move. Well, that's also being, you know, first of all, humble enough, but also smart enough to say, look, I'm really good at this. I'm not <laughs> right. good. At, I'm not good right. at this. So right. I know you are good at this, so I'm going to let you do it. You right. know, that's and, right. And that's some of the, you know, and I've been on many of those shoots where the guy running the shoot probably shouldn't have been the guy running the shoot. Oh, and I'm yeah. not saying I'm the guy that should have been, but he definitely shouldn't have been. Right. Um, well, but, and at the same time, I will give it, I tell people, you may just be the model. Mm-hmm. But you just may be, you know, we'll say Walter Parrott or Jerry Martin, Brenda Valentine, you know, the hunting pro staff, mm-hmm. or even JP and, and John and, and Chuck, whoever it is. Look, at some point, you need to tell me your idea is wrong. I would never do that. Yeah. Now, and I've had, I, in my mistake, I've given that to people like Jerry Martin, and he's jerked me around for an hour. And I'm like, are you serious? No. <laughs> no. I'm like, dude, we just missed some really good light because you told me that was wrong. Yeah. And I'm knowing in my, I know in my gut that's right, you know, but yeah. he's a big prankster. He's oh, a prankster, yeah. You know, but, you know, you... I, I give everybody, you know, what is it, carte blanche, you know, you tell me, dude, you should be aiming the camera the other way because it, it's happening behind you yeah. instead of behind me. Yeah. You know, I'm like, don't ever let me miss a shot because yeah. I, I'm directing it, you know, or yeah. over directing it, you know, yeah, micromanaging right. it, whatever. Yeah, because I'm looking at one, I'm looking at one thing when I should be looking at another. Right, right. Well, to kind of, to kind of switch gears a little bit, I kind of want to get into a little bit of... I wouldn't say technical, but I want you to, I think one of the things that's going to be important to guys listening and what's important to me and something I've tried to really improve on the last couple of years is taking really good recovery pictures, whether that's somebody's killed a deer, somebody's killed an elk, and I'm with a client that's, you know, finally harvested an animal that we've got on video and everybody always wants a good, you know, grip and grin picture afterwards. So what are a couple of simple things that you recommend or that you do or, you know, how can we get the most out of uh, a good recovery picture if we only have, you know, whether that be natural light or whether we have a flash or a bounce, you know, what are some, you know, simple things we can do to really Im- to improve the a right. recovery picture? Well, you and I have talked about this before. Um, and I've, I've learned over the years that it's not always one. And you're, you know, one is none in my world, you know. Mm-hmm. So one light source is not enough. Yeah. You know, uh, but it also dictates on how much gear you want to carry. Yeah. And how many batteries you got to keep up and, with. And, and time, so, if you have the and time. time. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You know, because usually, the, you know, the recovery stuff happens last, you know, the oh, last yeah. part of the day. and. Uh, everybody's tired and you know well that a storm is coming well, that and, yeah you know, and location location has a huge part of that because it's one thing oh, if you yeah. kill a whitetail in texas and you can go pick it up in the truck and drive it to a really you know light nice spot right. lit spot or you can go back to the camp and get your stuff but you kill an elk you're, in the back country <laughs> you're you're stuck with what you got and you're not rolling that rascal over there or and no, you're not walking no. 18 miles back to camp to get that flash right. or that other That's light right. so you're like yeah right. we're just gonna work with what we got here boys right so, uh, the industry that I work in, we call it a dot or a bounce or a reflector. Mm-hmm. Those three. I call it a bounce. Yeah. Yep. Um, I've got one. I actually have two. Uh, 
and they're multiversal. They've got different colors, mm-hmm. everything except black. You and know, you can silver, and white. For, and for guys listening to this, you can get these on Amazon. You can get them everywhere. There's, they fold up in tiny. You know, they can fold up pretty small, and they make very various sizes of them. But they're, yep. they're super super nice to have on a have on a shoot. And I'm, I'm looking at mine right now in the office. Mm-hmm. It's called a multi disc forty two inch reflector, the five in one. Yeah. And it's one of those things that. I mean, when I'm turkey hunting, it's in my turkey vest. Yeah. It's it's that small, but it opens up to a 42-inch. So it yeah. comes down to probably a 12 by 12 circle. I keep mine in the backseat of the truck all the time. That way, if, you know, if I need to go back and get it, I'll right. go and get it. Yep, yep. But I, I was blown away how it fits in the back of your turkey vest. Yeah, really? I never never thought Man, about that's that. that's incredible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what I try to do is, if it's at all possible, backlight the subject. Yeah. And, you know, I'm the, I'm the, I'm the OCD guy. I mean, I'm the guy that's going to make sure your buttons are done and all mm-hmm. that mess. One of the biggest things I just despise is when you're trying to, you see a, an image of a, of a nice whitetail mule deer elk and under his chin is, you know, a set of mossy oak boots, you know, off off of the off of a left leg of a guy. And I'm mm-hmm. like, what is that coming off his chin? Yeah. You know, you want to make the the clean part, which is your subject, and usually the subject is the hunter and the, the mm-hmm. recovery animal. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, stick their tongue in. You know, don't cut it stuff. off, and you got blood everywhere. Just yeah. stick it back in his mouth. What What about What about as far as like? So you want to backlight. You want to. Um, Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, let's, yeah, yeah, let's yeah. start with lighting and then we'll, we'll move yeah. on from there. So how yeah. would you light it so, if you could, if you, in a minimal situation? Uh, I'll, everything you can do is try to backlight it because mm-hmm. that's going to give you this rim light behind the animal and behind the, the hunter or the fisherman, whatever it is you've got. And you want to be as a low of an angle as possible. Mm-hmm. That makes the animal look as big. It kind of puts them into the skylight. Mm-hmm. Uh, or in the skyline itself, and it actually—if you've got a wide lens, the sixteen to thirty-five—I put that rascal on sixteen, mm-hmm. and I just make it fit the frame. Yeah, I move. I move around in my position. It's a lot you easier know, for you to move than the moving them. That's too. just it. Yes, you know, you kind of go, okay, we're going to move this animal to there. I'm going to put that mountain in the background with that light. Mm-hmm. I'm going to get this dot out, and I'm going to have the guide or, you know a tree, something to hold this, this dot up, this reflector. And it's just going to bounce the available light that's backlighting that. It's going to light the front of the animal as well as the, the hunter. Why I like to take two is I'll use one and have one of the guides, you know, you need to hold this and you're going to try to light this animal, see what it's doing, and you'll turn it and bounce it for mm-hmm. them. And show them and where it's like, hitting them, yeah. Right, right. And don't put it on the hunter. And then I'll go to the other side, opposite side of the frame, have another guy bounce the light a little bit, not as much, on the hunter's face, low so you're not causing a shadow from his hat. Yeah. And that's you know, and, and that's, you just that's, try to, that's the that, general that idea. You, that's the general idea is you're trying to get rid of all those little shadows and stuff that's, that's right. on the animals. That's right, because you're you're trying to bring down this harsh light in the background mm-hmm. and control that to the front light that's that's your subject. Yeah. And it's okay to let that background light blow out. Mm-hmm. That's not your subject. It's yeah. just the fact that you're, 
That's and you what, can fix that in post, you know, but yeah. with a brush, you know. And that's what I've told people is like, you know, when you're lighting something, even in video, you're lighting your subject. Because if, if you're lighting for the background, you're never going to get it right. That's You've right. Got and a light nobody for, is looking yeah. for that. Yeah, exactly. Nobody gonna, looks at that. You, you're going to get a light for your subject. So kind right. of the, the, so what you're trying to do is you're trying to take your bounce or your dot. And you're going to um, bring up, bring up, bring up your shadows, bring up, your darks, bring up your darks and your shadows. And you're trying to get rid of those little or imperfections. That. That's yeah, right. You're trying to get rid of those little imperfections underneath the hat, you know, the, you know, creases of arms, you know, you know, right. the, the, the dark spots in the ground, the dark spots on the, you know, the animal that's laying there, kind of wherever the light's hitting them. And then you want to get as low as possible. Use a wide angle if you got it and, right. um, get low. That's right. Yeah. Right. So, and, and I mean, you're going to be, you're going to be dirty. Mm-hmm. If you're not dirty at the end of this, you, you didn't, didn't get yeah, your job done. You didn't do it right. You know? What right. about what about as far as depth of field? Because I know that's a depth of field and like, uh, you know, focal length and all that good stuff. Because I know a lot of times I've, and, and there's ways you can be creative with this because I know I've taken a lot of pictures where I want the focus on uh, maybe a certain product or I want the focus right. on the animal and you can run, yep. you can run your, you know, F-stop shallower. That way, you know, just the deer's in focus and then the or, the, and then the subject out of focus, or you yes. can run that f-stop up, and you can get everything in focus. So, kind of, what's your what's your well, your two thoughts things on that? There, two things there you've hit on. One of them is you need to have a shot list mm-hmm. before you ever get to that point. I need to have a glove touching the antler. I mm-hmm. need to have, you know, the gun laying up against it, and I'm going to photograph the gun with the animal in the background mm-hmm. out of focus. You know, you get you got to have all this because when it comes down to crunch time. God doesn't slow the sunset. Down. No, he doesn't. You know, not. it's it's going to happen. So, and that's another part, that's another terrible thing about you know doing anything outside is because if you are not in control of your light for the most part, especially right. if you're only right. using balances, if you haven't brought not if you haven't brought artificial lights with you, you've got to work with what you got, and it changes all the time. That's one of the that's beauties right. of being outside. That's exactly right. Well, and back to that, I'm going to try to stay focused on that. If you if you have a dot, you're now using the exact same color of light that's available everywhere. As opposed to if you have a strobe or an LED light, you've got to hopefully get that balanced mm-hmm. to the same light that's out. Because then you've got three different lights. This is going back to when I was doing a whole lot of architectural photography mm-hmm. uh, down at Big Cedar and all the stores. You know, you're trying to match the lights that's there with the lights you're bringing from the photo world. And you got gels and all that. You don't want to. Do, you want to take that equation out of everything because yeah. you're already chasing bad stuff. Yeah. You know. And uh, once you get down to where, you know what? I've got five more things on my list. I've got to do. It's dark. Let somebody take a break. Let me get my stuff set up. You know, your back's hurting. I need to get a lens change. You come up with a way to give people a break. And then you set up a light real quick or two, and that light. Caleb, I've used four flashlights before. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, I've been because, creative with some lights before, too. You know, because now you just got that little portable gray uh, gray card that you're going to take a picture of. Hopefully you remember to do that, to have to be able to color balance off of. And now you're working with three or four flashlights that guys already have on their head or in their pocket or that in their are, backpack. That are never the same color. That are never the same color. The batteries are going down on mm-hmm. one or two, you know, and... So, uh, and I'm the guy that always has spare batteries for everybody. So that mm-hmm. never happens to me, but yeah, um, I always carry, this... always carry that. I think I showed it to you when we were in camp, um, that time was that little, 
little panel light, little LED light. It's oh, a yeah. it's a newer. I don't remember I've the got exact. Two of those. Yeah, I don't remember the model. I've got two of them. I keep one in my truck for a tracking light because it's the best blood tracking light ever. And then yep. I keep one for my camera, and I use that one all the time. I use that one a lot of times to backlight people when I'm taking recovery pictures. Like if we're taking them in the dark, I'll backlight them yep. with that, oh, and then yeah. I'll, exactly. you know, um, use my flash for the front. You know that usually those are the only two lights I have to to work with at the well, time. And I'm going to give you the name because I've got one sitting right here in the office. It's called an Aperture, A-P-U-T-U-R-E, and it's an A-L-H-198C. Wow, yeah, that's a lot of and letters. And that is, that is the bomb. I've I mean, put I've some of those, of those. I've, I've put those on the rednecktechpodcast.com uh, website. I've got a whole yep. gear page that I'm, I'm fairly certain I've got those on that gear page. If not, I'll put them on there later tonight. Well, but, and the great part with that one is it runs on double A's. Well, it runs on double A's. It runs on the Sony batteries. It runs on a Panasonic battery. Canon it runs battery, like, yeah, yeah, it runs on a several right. different batteries. Yep. yep. So it'll, it's, it's got several and, options. You can get two of them right now on Amazon for I'm gonna say sixty bucks. Yeah, they're they're, they're that's the and only. And they don't weigh anything. No, and they yeah. and they they're really really powerful lights and they're really versatile and they're small enough to pack too. Right. So, and not only that, but if one gets stepped on by a horse or yeah. falls out of your pack, you haven't lost a bank load. Yeah, exactly. You know? um, so if I've got the option of those two, I use that first because you're not using a flash to try to recreate light that you can't see mm-hmm. once again i'm trying to i'm the simple guy let's mm-hmm. keep it simple for me because i don't want to have to get back and go golly i'm a half a stop too bright or whatever mm-hmm. but if you're down to that and, and same thing too in the dark those leds people don't lose their night vision when you're trying to photograph them yeah you know and you can you can put magic arm clamps on branches you can put those on the decks of boats and those are cheap too cheap you know, and those are what's going to hold that thing secure. I think the first time, what was we doing? You and I, first time I ever saw you using that. We were doing a habit shoot. Yeah, I was, with, I probably had, that I, was it. Because I make all my, my point of, my, my POV mounts. I use those magic arms with a $1 clamp yep. from Home Depot. That's what I make all mine out of. Because right. in my opinion, those are better than anything that you can buy. They're right. cheaper and, and, like they're, you said, and, and they're more rugged. And if you're, if you're out and you forgot one or lost one, mm-hmm. you can replace it for a yeah. dollar at, yeah. Home Depot. Yeah, well, yeah, the magic. Yeah, the, the the clamps a dollar at Home Depot, and the magic arms like eight or nine bucks. So yeah, if right. you you lose them, and I've probably got oh gosh, four or five of those clamped on. You know, every box and bag that I take on trips. That way, I've always right. got them there. Yep. But yep. like you, I'm so then, always over prepared. Yeah. Well, and you can also, like you said, all it takes is to forget one of those things. And you're like, you know what? I got one in my bag. Mm-hmm. I got one in my backpack. I got yep. one. Not in my camera bag, but it's in my backpack. Yeah, that those those zip ties, um, uh, those rubber ties, those rubber bungee, rubber bungee ties. Yeah, there's a couple things that I'm just naked if I don't have some. Oh yeah. Um, so my third light then would be, um, speed lights, Mm -hmm. which are, you can buy Canon, but man, I just don't spend the extra money for that brand. Yeah, that's the only thing I will not spend on a Canon brand is speed lights. Yes. You know, I think mine is like a Uglo or something. I don't even know. I don't even care. I just know it works, and it yeah. works exactly like a Canon mm-hmm. 600. And I've got the same thing. I've got one for backlight and one for side light. Mm-hmm. And like you say, the guide, a tree stump, something can hold that. Yeah. 
um, and you know, you know, redneck with, like you said, more redneck engineering. Cords. Yeah, yeah. Some redneck engineering goes into right. some of the lighting situations on on picture taking. I'm sure it's right. like it does on right. video. Yep. Well, uh, so, well, uh, what is what is your take on your new entrance into the time lapse world? Man, the thing with the time lapse that got me intrigued is you have got to forecast mm-hmm. what is going to happen at sunset. Yeah. Or what's going to happen at sunrise or what's going to happen around camp. Otherwise, you spend a lot of time getting a really crappy time lapse. (laughs) (laughs) Or not setting something up and, you know, two hours into it, something fell over. Or the wind blew this branch constantly flashing in front of you. What is that distracting? Yeah, you do three or four of those and you'll really take the time to fix it the next time so you don't waste your time. You do. Because that's the bad thing about time lapse. They take forever. Yes. And you burnt batteries that now you don't have with you on mm-hmm. the hunt the next oh, day. Oh yeah, that's a huge burn them all. Oh, I've had that bite me before. And you got to take Ziploc bags to cover the camera up because dew is gonna fall. Oh my gosh! And, and, some of the know, things that I've gonna snow. <laughs> some of the things I've done to try and keep a camera from fogging up. I mean, we have stretched hundreds of feet of like. Um, uh, Extension, extent, well, extension cords. We've had extension cord plugged into extension cord, plugged into extension cord. We've pe- taken like little um, egg house heaters, and we've had the heaters blowing on the cameras when it was really cold to keep them from. You oh, know, is that right? We ran uh, fans out there. We've um, one of I, my favorite ones that you did. You said you backed the truck up and opened I did. the tailgate to back, cover it up. I, I back, dude, yeah, I backed that's the truck. like a number one. <laughs> I got the <laughs> truck. Awesome. Yeah, I got. I, it was in the middle of a field, and there was no way I was running cords to it. Didn't have a tarp. Didn't have anything. So I was like, "Well, I'll just back my. I'll, I'll get the. You know, I'll get the shot set up. I'll back my truck up and lay the tailgate down. So if it does rain, it might get a little wet, but it's not going to get soaked. Right. Um, right. But yeah. And that's I, what I've. That's what I've learned over the years, and I'm sure you have too. You pretty much become. Uh, I'm going to call it a special forces. <laughs> Uh, operation guy or yeah. Navy SEAL a- tactic attitude of you've got to communicate, you know, yeah. you've got to forecast, you've got to have the equipment, you've got to have your equipment cleaned, you've got to have uh, you got to uh, know how to everything impro- planned ahead where you've people know what to- you're doing, when you're doing. Yeah, you got to know how to because, improvise, you got to know how to adapt and overcome a lot of times. Right. And you're, you're troubleshooting from the time you your feet hit the floor to the time you finally shut down and go to bed, even though you're in bed, you're still trying to go, man, if I'd have only had yeah. one more double-A battery, one more nine volt, well, one that, more, you know. Well, that and there's never enough time in the day to do everything. You know, like if you want to do a sunrise and a sunset, guess what? You've got time to do one of those a day. You know, you've got right. time to do one sunrise That's and right. one sunset. And guess what? You didn't get it right. You got to do yep. it all over again and hope your batteries yep. are charged yep. before you try and do it again the next day. That's right. And or not, hope you have a place to charge. Yeah, or or night lapses. You know, you gotta if you want to do, you can do more than one night lapse a night. But guess what? You're gonna be up with it all night long, <laughs> That's and you're right. gonna run, let it run for three hours, and you're gonna pull that card. Hopefully, have fresh batteries. Stick another card yeah. in. Run it again. You know, it's a yep. time lapses are time consuming, but when they turn and out, hope that the raccoon didn't come yeah, around. To exactly. Smell what you had on your hand that night. Yeah. You were working around. Or we've had I've had horses come and you know knock over tripods. Oh, yeah. I've had yeah. you know 
just animals be curious. <laughs> I've had, you know, the random farmer that never shows up drive over and drive oh, right yeah. by it in the middle of the night, you know, that kind of stuff. It's just Did you know birds fly at night? Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> Who knew, right? Yeah, it's it's it, and it's one of those things that's just out of your control. And it, even if it is within your control, by the time usually you can fix something like that, like somebody driving through a field and you wave them down, they're already halfway in the frame anyway, so what it, What does right. it matter? You know, this one's... I've been sitting here with this time lapse for an hour and a half, but now it's wasted because somebody just drew, drove through the field that I was trying to get, but... Um, One of the coolest time lapse we ever, that I ever got to experience was uh, construction at the golf course down in Branson. Oh, yeah, but that was cool. We just decided, you know what? This fairway is in the beginning stages, and I put one on the right side, and you know you get these apps on your phone to find out where the sunrise and sunsets uh-huh. for your location. Yeah. So you don't aim it at the sun at sunrise, and yep. you don't aim it there at sunset, but you're you know. And I put one on each side of the of the golf course, and believe it or not, that they didn't change the course enough where the trees got cut down, but <clears throat> or moved, transplanted, or another tree put in front of it, but. In the process, I wound up moving to Alabama, and nobody knew where I'd put these two time-lapse cameras, except the crew. Well, the crew had moved on to another job site, so, uh, you know, manager calls me and, hey, I hate to bother you, you know, this is a difficult conversation, but we're missing two cameras. Uh, I'm like, yeah, man, they're on two trees, so I end up having to pull up Google Maps, Google Earth pinpoint them drop pins take a picture of that you know what i mean it's one mm-hmm. of those technical things yeah send it to them and they go down and retrieve these things they you know i had to tell them i'd stashed a ladder over in the woods so i could get up there and change the batteries i'm like man those things have been up for like four months mm-hmm. and believe it or not one of them was still running when they got down there to retrieve lapse. it because i had it on a time lapse you know yeah, one, mode. one frame every hour Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, I just changed the batteries out, you know, four months ago. And, uh, you know, just as a every, once a month, I changed the batteries out. And see, so they got to watch this golf course come from, you know, construction site, putting in pipes to putting in sand, moving sand, planting grass, grass growing to changing the course again and deciding to put a bunker on the left. Mm-hmm. So then they had to come in and, and do construction. It was like, you got to be kidding me. That thing captured that. Yeah. We did you know? one, we did one, one time at sub seven, we did a three month time lapse of this product on a, uh, uh, summer food plot where they sprayed half the field with this one product and then didn't spray the product on the other half. Oh, cool. And we put a, and we put like a, a stake right in the middle of where the line was. And we ran a, we actually did it on a point and shoot camera and we had like car batteries hooked up to it and it was a it was a huge production but um we did a 3 ma- 3 month lapse of that and it was it was a huge pain in post to try and get them all in there and line them all up and we only took pictures during the daylight cuz we had a timer on it where it would only take pictures from this time to this time right, so right stitching it all together but once we got it all stitched together it was really cool to watch it but uh that's a that's a huge undertaking it is well and most of the time you and I get into that. It's not perfect. Mm-hmm. But when you sit back and watch it through the eyes of somebody that just picked up their phone and watches it, mm-hmm. they're like, dude, that was cool. Yeah, but, you know, that airplane kept coming yeah. through or that, you know, what you're like, dude, I didn't see that. That yeah. wasn't, you know. 
it's well, just the crazy watching, th- or, or like watching a uh, uh, a set being built for a concert. Yeah, well, those the, are incredible. The crazy thing about that time lapse is uh, they had done a control burn. It was actually in the spring. They did a control burn on the left hand yes. side of the field, and we didn't know that they were doing that. So they burned, you know, all the and it, there's there's like a couple hour span there where it was just black smoke and you know you couldn't see nothing but smoke in this thing and ended up they end up burning up a couple of trail cameras they forgot to pull and you oh, just saw no. you know huge flames and everything and we're like we got there and like you know part of the like i think part of the blind was even melted off because we had the whole like time-lapse camera set up in a ground <laughs> blind so we didn't have to worry about it getting rained on but right. uh but yeah it was like just stuff that you'd never think about uh doing a control burn and almost burning the whole place down but um, yeah, it's a, the time lapses are fun, but they, like you said, they are time consuming. You have to be able forecast. to, you know, for, forecast, be able to adapt and be patient because there's a lot of, a lot, a lot of work goes into them. I'm going to do a, a full blown tutorial on setting up a time lapse here before long. But, uh, what advice would you give to somebody that's, you know, out there starting out or out there, you know, taking pictures? What's something, one or two things you could say that, you know, to improve, something that you could simplify to them and say, okay, if you, you know, do these couple of things, your pictures will improve. Uh, learn Lightroom. <laughs> learn Lightroom, man. Yeah. I mean, and I mean, I use Photoshop. If I'm going to finish and really spend some time and make an image pop, you know, mm-hmm. and to me, the difference is, for instance, there was an image we did in Wyoming. Guys are packing out. You know, so they've got the last pack out trip, you know, so the, the rack's coming out now, you know, in the hide. Meat's already been packed out. You know, they've got a, you know, there's three guys. But the raw image compared to the image I turned in, you would have never seen that image had I never spent the two and a half hours. Yeah, it was three and a half. Editing on, that one on image. On one image, three and a half hours on one image. But now when you walk into a Bass Pro Shops, that's still hanging in the stores. Every mm-hmm. store's got it in the hunting department. You know, this snow-capped mountain off in the background, fall leaves everywhere. And, you know, it's this epic, the light was just right. You know, yeah. everything fell into place as you're just kind of, you know, let, let, let me just run over here and you guys walk up that way and I'll just catch you doing that, you know. Yeah. And uh, that image is hanging for five years now. That's you know, cool, and that man. just doesn't happen, you know, but that's the difference in, yes, that image needs that for some of them is like, you know what, I'm just going to do my quick preset. It'll be fine. But if you, if you can learn Lightroom and stay at Lightroom, don't work off your desktop and work off of something. You'll get frustrated with, with it if you don't, but, uh, stay organized, you know, as much as you can. Because all it takes is somebody out of the blue from Instagram, Facebook, a client that you don't even know is watching you call and say, I need a picture of a turkey in strut on a train track. You got that? Mm-hmm. You do because you've uh, seen it to me before. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's like, uh, I do, but I don't know where that's at. Yeah. A client, a client, a future client does not want to hear that because if you don't know where your stuff's at without them being a client. Yeah. You're not going to find yeah. it when you are. How you are know? they going to trust you to be their, you know, photographer right. record if you can't keep up with your own stuff? That's right. And I'll, that's a segue too. I'm the guy that over back stuff up. Mm-hmm. Me too. I've I've got a terabyte hard drive that I carry and a two terabyte. Oh, I wish I could the, only only have to carry that little. Yeah, yeah. 
you know, well, that, life that, would goes be simple. Every, that goes on every, every job. Yeah. And then I take another brand new one to the next job. You I've know, got, I've you got, know. uh, I've got eight, 16. I've got about 50 something terabytes sitting on my desk right now. Six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen. I got fourteen hard drives sitting on my desk. Yeah, yeah. I've got yeah. four, dif- five different ones, and I think they're a little over fifty between the four of them or five of them. Yeah, yeah. But, but well, you know, but what does it cost to yeah. have to go redo? An oh, yeah, exactly. With Lee and I, that's what I tell oh, people. Yeah. Guess what? I can't do that. Yeah, and you'll never get it back once that no. footage is gone or once that image is gone, and you don't have it backed up. Guess what? The right. only way to get it back is to recreate it. And how? And most of the time. You can't go kill another elk, or you can't no, go kill another deer. You can't go, you know, to, you can't go once, to Quebec. Yeah, that's a <laughs> once-in-a-lifetime thing. That's why I tell people, like, take care of your media. Back up your media. Yes. Make sure it's backed up, and then back it up again. And, and no, no joke. When we go, let's say I fly someplace, and the video department, like Tony Khalil, or you would show up, I would give you a second hard drive mm-hmm. to drive home with, or if I'm flying a different flight. Mm-hmm. Well, they're cheap. There's no reason not to. They're, if I they're crash relative, and die rela- or if the van cheap. catches on fire yeah. or somebody breaks into my hotel room, fill in the blank of, oh, my goodness, I can't believe that happened. Yeah. You're covered. It's like, ah, dude, it's all right. The assistant will be – they'll show up tomorrow, and they've got it in the in the van. Mm-hmm. And it's in a it's in a dry box yeah. with a Ziploc bag around it. You know, and it's, yeah. it's just a duplicate of what you've got. And that's the last thing I do before I leave – you know, that's the go-home evening before we go home. You're tearing all your stuff down and making sure you've got everything put together. My computer is sitting over there running, burning another hard drive before I start driving home. Yeah. And I never – and I try to drive everywhere. That way yeah. I can take whatever and leave whenever. Me too. But And that's my thing you know, too is I don't, I don't – I'm not comfortable until my footage is in at least two places. That's right. I'm that's uneasy right. until that happens. Right. But yeah, that's why I say I try to keep brand new hard drives and, you know, the two terabyte hard drive. The reason I use that, I will use and try. I do my hardest to try to only put one terabyte worth of stuff on that Mm -hmm. because you're not stressing that thing out every time you start it up to work on an image or to find an image. Because you've got two terabytes almost, you're you know you're a hundred gig away from yeah. crashing the thing. Well, that and those those travel drives are not made to really be taxed and moved. I mean, they're, that's right. They're just like laptops. That's why laptops don't have the lifespan that a desktop does because the laptop's open, closed, you know, dusty, right. you know, in and out of a bag, this and the other. Same thing with right. these travel drives. They're they have a really limited lifespan. That's why when I buy one, I'll write the day that I purchased it, and then once a year comes and that's that right. one's still in operation. Guess what? You're getting retired. You are now B team. Right. You're B team. You might get thrown right. in the bottom of the bag, and you might get an emer- You might might need you in case of an emergency. But other than that, I am not using you unless I absolutely have to. Well, and I'll even give one of those to a client. Yeah. You know, you've got, you know, 256 megabytes worth of stuff or whatever. Fill in a number: gigabyte, terabyte, whatever, for this job. And I'll just mark across it with a silver sharpie, like you said, 2016. This is now. You know, True Timbers photo shoot with Dale Jr., fill in the blank. And they'd like, dude, yeah, just bill me for that. And you do. I just bill them for the replacement, you know, because they're not going to add anything to that, you know, and tax it out. They're just going to set it aside. That's the job, you know. And clients love that, that you're willing to just give up a 
a terabyte or two terabyte hard drive. Yeah, for sure. You know. Um, yeah, it's the it's the little things. It is. Well, dude, I appreciate you taking the time to. Uh, Man, I appreciate you having me on here. To it's get been on good stuff for me too. Yeah, for sure. And we'll I'm sure we're gonna do it again because I'm I'm gonna try and get to where. Once I get through some, you know, what I'm trying to do with the podcast and with guys listening is I'm trying to kind of, you know, introduce some people, trying to keep it fairly, I guess, camera school 101-ish, and then get a little more technical once we start, you know, getting to that place to where I feel like I'm getting the questions to where they're, you know, a little more in-depth. Like, a lot of questions I get now are, you know, how do I, you know, take a better uh, recovery picture? You know, what's the best camera for me? What's this, that, and the other? You know, so, but once we start getting into some stuff to where we're talking about some really technical photography stuff, I want to get back on here and talk to you again and um, get to get a little more geeky with some of our words and a little more, uh, sure, I guess, technical and, you know, aspects and talk about foreground and background and focal length and all those things to make an image, sure. you know, pop yep. or not pop or, you know, how to how to make somebody focus on one thing versus another and all that good stuff. Right. Right. And the great part is, is video and stills are really similar in that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, uh, and the, I think you're, I, I think video is even more, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a bigger deal. You know, it's, everything's multiplied when you guys out of focus depth of field, it's like drastic, mm-hmm. you know, uh, I don't know if that's the chip with the camera you're using or I I could uh, now you're getting real technical now and I couldn't tell you but okay. yeah no but I know what you're saying. Well, and, and that's something I I mean I actually I actually have a roadie um, uh, you know field mic. I'm I'm getting into the video world because you've got to a client is it's going to come where a client's going to say, dude, can you roll some video of this real quick? Yes, I can. You know, because I've done it enough already. All I was missing was the audio end of it, so that was my uh, one of my end of year purchases. Just you know what, I'm going to get into it. It's got to happen, you know. And same thing, I'd rather be prepared when a client asks, "Do you have a, a microphone?" Yes, I do. Yep, always you know, prepared. Always prepared. Well, dude, I appreciate it. I'm gonna let you go. It's getting getting late. Um, yes, sir. Here and we've been talking. It's according to my thing, a little over an hour and forty minutes. Oh, get out of here! Yeah, no, I'm serious. We've been we've been yeah. been catching up. We haven't got to talk here lately, but yeah. yeah. But I appreciate it. Um, if Me uh, too. like I talked about earlier, guys, um, on the gear page on the RedneckTechPodcast.com, I've got links to all the stuff that I use most of the time and stuff that I've trusted. I am working on a camera school, probably going to be sometime in March. I don't have details for that yet, but I've had a lot of interest, had a lot of guys ask me, so I'm going to try and put together another uh, production school. It's going to be a probably a kind of a mid-level, semi-advanced school with a lot of hands-on, you know, kind of tailored to what everybody in the class is going to need, you know, talk a lot about editing and all that good stuff. If you enjoy the podcast, make sure you go and give it five stars. And if you really like it, give it an awesome review. And again, Erwin, thank you so much for being here. And I look forward to talking to you again, buddy. All right, man. Have a good week. Drive reckless. All right. See you, man. (laughs)